0: You are listening to the Mystical City of God and Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in Your podcast group and be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 267. We are reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 24, paragraphs 733 to 742. They approached Most Holy Mary, who in the company of St. John and the Holy Women stood in inconceivable sorrow at the foot of the cross. Instead of a salute, their sorrow at the sight of so painful a spectacle as that of the Divine Crucified was roused to such vehemence and bitterness that Joseph and Nicodemus remained for a time prostrate at the feet of the Queen, and all of them at the foot of the cross without speaking a word. All of them wept and sighed most bitterly until the invincible queen raised them from the ground and animated and consoled them, whereupon they saluted her in humble compassion. The most observant mother thanked them kindly, especially for the service they were about to render to their God and Savior, and promised them to reward them in the name of him whose body they were to lay in the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea answered, Even now, Our Lady, do we feel in the secret of our hearts the sweet delight of the Divine Spirit, who has moved us to such love that we never could merit it or succeed in explaining it. Then they divested themselves of their mantles, and with their own hands Joseph and Nicodemus placed the ladders to the Holy Cross on these They ascended in order to detach the sacred body, while the Glorious Mother stood closely by, leaning on the arms of St. John and Mary Magdalene. It seemed to Joseph that the sorrow of the Heavenly Lady would be renewed, when the sacred body should be lowered, and she should touch it, and therefore he advised the Apostle to take her aside in order to draw away her attention. But St. John, who knew better, the invincible heart of the Queen, answered that from the beginning she had stood by to witness the torment of the Lord, and that she would not leave him whom she venerated as her God and loved as the son of her womb. 7.34 Nevertheless, they continued to urge the expediency of her retiring for a short time until they should lower their master from the cross. But the great lady responded, My dearest masters, since I was present when my sweetest son was nailed to the cross, fear not to allow me to be present at his taking down. For this act of piety, though it shall affect my heart with new sorrow— will, in its very performance, afford a great relief. Thereupon they began to arrange for the taking down of the body. First they detached the crown from the head, laying bare the lacerations and deep wounds it had caused. They handed it down with great reverence and amid abundant tears, placing it in the hands of the sweetest mother. She received it prostrate on her knees in deepest adoration, bathed it with her tears, permitting the sharp thorns to wound her virginal countenance, and pressing it to her face. She asked the Eternal Father to inspire due veneration toward the sacred thorns in those Christians, who should obtain possession of them in future times. 7.35. In imitation of the mother, St. John, with the pious women, and the other faithful were present there, also adored it, and this they also did with the nails, handing them first the Most Holy Mary for veneration, and afterward showing them their own reverence. Then the great lady placed herself on her knees and held the unfolded cloth in her outstretched arms, ready to receive the dead body of her son. In order to assist Joseph and Nicodemus, St. John supported the head and Mary Magdalene the feet of Christ, and thus they tearfully and reverently placed him in the arms of his sweetest mother. This was to her an event of mixed sorrow and consolation, for in seeing him thus wounded, and all his beauty disfigured beyond all children of men. Psalm 44.3. The sorrows of her most chaste heart were again renewed, and in holding him in her arms and at her breast, her incomparable sorrow was rejoiced and her love satiated by the possession of her treasure. She looked upon him with supreme worship and reverence, shedding tears of blood. In union with her, as he rested in her arms, all the multitude of her attendant angels worshipped him, although unseen by all others except Mary. Then St. John first, and after him all those present in their turn, adored the sacred body. The most prudent mother, seated on the ground in the meanwhile, held him in her arms in order that they might satisfy their devotion. 7.36 In all these proceedings our great queen acted with such heavenly wisdom and prudence that she excited the admiration of the angels and men, for all her words were full of deepest significance the most winning affection and compassion for her deceased son, full of tenderness in her lamenting, and full of mystery in sentiment and meaning. Her sorrow exceeded all that could ever be felt by mortals. She moved the hearts to compassion and tears. She enlightened all in the understanding of the sacrament now transpiring under their hands. Above all, without failing in the least of her duty, she preserved her humble dignity and serenity of countenance, In the midst of her heart-rending affliction, with uniform adaptation to the circumstances, she spoke to her beloved Son, to the Eternal Father, to the angels, to the bystanders, and to the whole human race, for whose redemption the Lord had undergone His passion and death. I will not detain myself in particularizing the most prudent and sorrowful words of the Lady on this occasion, for Christian piety will be able to conceive many of them, and I cannot stay to enumerate all these mysteries. 7.37. Some time passed during which the sorrowful mother held at her breast the dead Jesus, and, as evening was far advancing, St. John and Joseph besought her to allow the burial of her son and God to proceed. The most prudent mother yielded, and they now embalmed the sacred body using all the hundred pounds of the spices and the aromatic ointments brought by Nicodemus. Thus anointed, the deified body was placed on a bier in order to be carried to the sepulchre. The heavenly queen, most attentive in her zealous love, called from heaven many choirs of angels who, together with those of her guard, should accompany the burial of their creator. Immediately they descended from on high in shapes visible to their queen and lady, although not to the rest. A procession of heavenly spirits was formed and another of men, and the sacred body was borne along by St. John, Joseph, Nicodemus, and the centurion, who had confessed the Lord and now assisted at his burial. They were followed by the Blessed Mother, by Mary Magdalene, and the rest of the women disciples. Besides these, a large number of the faithful assisted, for many had been moved by the divine light and had come to Calvary after the land's thrust. All of them in silence and in tears during the procession, they proceeded toward a nearby garden where Joseph had hewn into the rock a new grave, in which nobody had as yet been buried or deposited. John, nineteen forty one. In this most blessed sepulchre, they placed the sacred body of Jesus. Before they closed it up with heavy stone, the devout and prudent mother adored Christ anew, causing the admiration of men and angels. They imitated her, all of them adoring the crucified Savior now resting in his grave. Thereupon they closed the sepulchre with the stone, which, according to the evangelist, was very heavy. Matthew twenty-seven sixty-seven thirty-eight. At the same time, The graves, which had opened at the death of Christ, were again closed. For among other mysteries of their opening up was this, that these graves, as it were, unsealed themselves in order to receive him, whom the Jews had repudiated, when he was alive and their benefactor. At the command of the queen, many angels remained to guard the sepulcher, where she had left her heart. In the same order and silence in which they had come, they now returned to Calvary." THE HEAVENLY MISTRESS OF ALL VIRTUES APPROACHED THE HOLY CROSS AND WORSHIPPED IT IN DEEPEST REVERENCE. IN THIS, JOSEPH AND ALL THE REST OF THE MOURNERS FOLLOWED HER. IT WAS ALREADY LATE, AND THE SUN HAD SUNK, WHEN THE GREAT LADY BETOOK HERSELF FROM CALVARY TO THE HOUSE OF THE CENACLE IN THE COMPANY OF THE FAITHFUL. HAVING BROUGHT HER TO THE CENACLE, ST. JOHN, THE Marys, AND THE OTHERS TOOK LEAVE OF HER WITH MANY TEARS AND sighs, AND ASKED FOR HER BENEDICTION. The most humble and prudent lady thanked them for their service to her divine Son, and the consolation afforded her. She permitted them to depart with many hidden and interior favors, and with the blessing of her most amiable and kindest heart. 7.39 The Jews, confused and disturbed by the events, went to Pilate on the morning of the Sabbath and asked him for soldiers to guard the sepulcher. For Christ, this seducer, they said, had openly announced that after three days he would arise, Hence his disciples might steal the body and then say that he had arisen. Pilate yielded to this malicious measure and gave them the guard they desired, which they stationed at the sepulcher. But the perfidious priests merely wished to palliate the event, which they feared would really happen, as was manifest afterwards, when they bribed the soldiers of the guard to testify that Jesus had not arisen, but had been stolen by the disciples, as no counsel will prevail against God, Proverbs 21.30 The resurrection of Christ became only so much the more public, and was the more fully confirmed. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 7.40 My daughter, the lance thrust, which my blessed son received in his side, was cruel and very painful only to me. But its effects and mysteries are most sweet to those souls who know how to taste its sweetness. It was a great affliction to me, but whoever meets with this mysterious favor will find it a great relief and consolation in his sorrows. In order that thou mayest understand this and participate in it, thou must know that my Son and Lord, on account of his most ardent love for men, in addition to the wounds of the feet and hands, wish to open the wound of his heart, the seed of love, in order that through this port the souls might enter, and there receive refuge and relief. This is the only retreat which I wish thee to seek during the time of thy banishment, and which thou must consider as thy habitation upon earth. There thou wilt find the conditions and laws of love for imitating me, and learn how for injuries thou must return blessings to all who commit them against thee and thine. Just as thou hast seen me do when I was grieved by the wounding of the side of my dead son, I assure thee, my dearest, that thou canst not do anything more adapted to the obtaining of the efficacious graces from the Almighty. The prayer which thou offerest in a forgiving spirit is powerful not only for thy own God, But for the good of the one that offends thee. For the kind heart of my son is easily moved when he sees the creatures imitate him in pardoning offenders and in praying for them. For they thereby participate in his most ardent charity manifested on the cross. Write this doctrine in thy heart and in imitation of me. Practice this virtue of which I thought so highly. Through this wound, look upon the heart of Christ, thy spouse, and upon me, sweetly and ardently loving in it, thy enemies and all creatures. 7.41 Consider also the anxious, and ever-ready providence of the Most High, in coming to the aid of the creatures that called to him. In true confidence this thou hast seen in my behalf, when I found myself afflicted and at a loss concerning the proper burial of my divine Son." In order to come to my assistance in this plight, the Lord showed his sweet love by moving the hearts of Joseph and Nicodemus and of the other faithful to assist me in burying him. By their opportune help, I was so much consoled in this tribulation that on account of their behavior, my prayer for the Most High filled them with wonderful influences of the divinity by which they were regaled during the time of taking Jesus from the cross and his burial. And from that time on, These faithful were enlightened and filled with the mysteries of the redemption. This is the admirable disposition of the sweet and powerful providence of God, that in order to bind himself to do good to some of his creatures, he sends affliction upon others, thus giving an occasion for the practice of benevolence, so that at the same time those in necessity may be benefited. Thus the benefactor, on account of the good work he does, and on account of the prayer of the poor, is rewarded by receiving graces, of which he otherwise would not be worthy. The Father of mercies, who inspires and assists the good work done afterwards, pays for it, as if it were due in justice. For we can correspond to his inspirations merely according to our insignificant abilities, while all that is really good comes entirely from his hands. James 1.17 7.42 Consider also the equity maintained by this providence in compensating the injuries received in patient suffering. For after my divine Son had suffered death amid the contempt... Dishonor and blasphemies of men, the Most High at once provided for an honorable burial, and moved many to confess him as the true God and Redeemer, to proclaim him as holy and innocent and just at the very time when they finished their frightful crucifixion, to adore him as the Son of God. Even his enemies were made to feel with themselves the horror and confusion of their sin in persecuting him. Although these benefits availed not all men, yet all of them were effects of the innocent death of the Lord. I also concurred in my prayers, in order that the Lord might be acknowledged and honored by those known to me. This concludes our reading today for day number 267. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 24, Paragraphs 733 to 742. Today's reading presents to us that scene that Michelangelo depicts. Mary holding the body of Jesus. And as she does so, I can only imagine that she strokes his head. She looks at him with love. She holds him out and presents him just as she did at his birth. But now in death, inviting people to adore the crucified body of Jesus who has died for our salvation, who died for the forgiveness of sins, that we adore him as our God for who he is And what he has done for us. And then we hear the continuation of the anointment of his body. Remember that at his birth, the three kings brought gifts, one of them being myrrh. And then you have the woman in the gospel who washes the feet of Jesus with ointment. And now his whole body being anointed with this oil, by what Nicodemus brought Christ, the Messiah. He is the anointed one. The anointed one receives anointing. And then he's going to rise from the dead. How interesting. All of these people that assisted at his burial, that as they looked up at him from the cross, their hearts slowly began to be converted. John, Joseph, Nicodemus, the centurion who confessed the Lord, followed by his mother, Mary Magdalene, and the rest of the women disciples. Beside these, a large number of the faithful assisted, for many had been moved by the divine light and had come to Calvary after the lance thrust. Jesus continues to gain followers even in the immediacy of his death. The crucifixion of Jesus, his death. It looks like it's all accomplished, but we know the story doesn't end. And there was fear as we know from the gospels. And as we know from this reading, people thought that maybe they would steal his body or they truly believed that he would rise from the dead. They try to ensure that that doesn't happen, that Jesus doesn't rise, but you can't stop God.